This episode of the Real Life Rebel podcast is brought to you by my four-step self-love starter kit because I believe that loving yourself is a rebellious act. You're in a lifelong relationship with yourself, so self-love should really be your default. But it's hard. I totally get it. So that's why I created the four-step self-love starter kit so you can start loving and accepting yourself right now because you are wonderful and you are worthy. You can download your copy via the link in the show notes. the Real Life Rebel podcast. I'm your host, Lucianne Lewis, and in this episode, I have a special guest with me. The status quo is something Louise O'Reilly refuses to swallow. Providing online courses to stimulate harmonious and inclusive change in the world where every global citizen can say, I'm hashtag free to be me, is the big picture goal for her. For now, she's focusing on cultural diversity and inclusion of Aboriginal people and culture. Louise is a Warrawa Noongar Aboriginal woman based in Boroloo, which is Perth, Western Australia, on Wadjuk country. Through her experiences with identity and her personal journey of self-discovery, she realised society wasn't always accepting of her, her community or her culture. She noticed there was a real lack of Aboriginal inclusiveness in Australia and the average Australian wasn't aware of the negative impacts that social norms, uh, so societal norms and social conditioning had on them. The Aboriginal community and other uh, BIPOC, which is Black, Indigenous and people of colour communities around the world. She witnesses the absence of Aboriginal perspectives in the world of words and language. So she started to write. Writing blogs about Aboriginal people, culture and history through the eyes of an Aboriginal person with the intention of connecting person to person, heart to heart to elicit feelings of connectedness and unity as people of Earth and providing new way of looking at our similarities and our differences with acceptance and love. A lot of her work focuses on human rights and the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Louise, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's always so unusual to hear someone talking about you and all the things that you do. Um, but it's so beautiful. Like I was sitting there and going, yeah, this is what I want to do. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm about. Yes. And I hope people um, <laughs> can feel that on the other end of this podcast too. Yeah. I know sure that it's like, it's totally from this space of love and yeah. about how we can all be more accepting of ourselves and be, by being more accepting of ourselves and exactly who we are, we open up that space to be more accepting of everyone else and who they are, whether they're the same or they're different. Mm, absolutely. Yep. It, you, you know, it's, it's like compassion, like you can't have compassion for anyone else unless you have it for yourself as well. Absolutely. And I think that's why the stuff that I do fits in so well with the stuff you do, because you mm. talk so much about having your own confidence and, and standing in your power and, and just loving who you are. And that is exactly the same type of work I'm doing, but I'm doing it from a different perspective, from a yeah. different angle. Because when we're talking about creating change in our communities, what it's really about is the inner work that we're doing on ourselves because whatever is going on within ourselves is then reflected into our communities. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think it's so great that I'm here with you talking about this <laughs> yeah. stuff and I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so, so, so pleased that you're here, Louise. I know um, we've been um, chatting for a while and just getting mm -hmm. to know you in that time and the work that you're doing is just, I, I absolutely love it. I think it's amazing. And I'm so, so honoured that you're going to talk to us a little bit about it here today. Yay. <laughs> so please, Louise, why don't you um, tell us a bit about the the work that you're doing? I know you're running an, um, an in 
inclusive language course mm-hmm. um, and you've been out on country doing some some work so please tell tell us everything all the things <laughs> all the things well we might be here for a lot longer than <laughs> your podcast possibly wants to be um, so like you said um, in the intro a lot of this stuff kind of came out because I couldn't find my place in society I um, I had to start thinking about my identity when I was such a small child. Um, you know, I would have adults say to me, you know, um, are you Aboriginal or are you you not Aboriginal? Um, and I would say, well, I'm both. But before I even said I'm both, I said, well, I'm just Louise. And mm. that, that was good enough for me. I was just me. I didn't have any of these labels I attached to myself. Um, so that was probably around six, five or six years old, this, this um, concept of having to identify yourself with certain, in certain ways uh, really stuck out to me. And I, f- I find that is really um, quite early to be starting to do that kind of stuff, uh, especially saying that that means you've only been a few years really understanding you are, are a separate person from your parents. Mm, mm-hmm. And so that only gives a short amount of time to kind of work that out. But um, what was said to me was you can't be both. You're Aboriginal or you're not. You can't be both. And that was just so real. Like it was really, really strange to me because I knew my mum identified as Aboriginal and I knew my dad um didn't identify as Aboriginal. So my um, my heritage is Wadawa Noongar. So Wadawa is the Aboriginal language country, um, language area, which is near Derby, which is north, the northern part of Western Australia. But um, Noongar is also the country that I'm on now. There are 14 nations in the, the nations of Noongar. And um, I just... I couldn't understand it. So my heritage is that and Scandinavian. And um, I have a bit of, uh, it's lower, lower middle Asia um, and also Papuan. So there's lots of different mixes in there. Um, But I feel mostly aligned and I feel my heart feels aligned with saying I identify as a Wadawadunga woman, Aboriginal woman. Uh, so it was just really confusing. I'm like, how can you not be? How can everyone not be lots of different things, but you put into a box? Um, but then if you had, if you actually looked at me, I don't actually really, I don't look like I'm an average, like a, uh, what you think a stereotypical image of an Aboriginal person looks like. So I found it very hard to go, well, where do I actually fit? Because I, I, I identify um, as an Aboriginal person and I feel very deeply connected to the spirit of the land, the, the, the spirit of, um, of the Aboriginal culture, and I'm, I'm involved in that and I, and I love it, but I don't look that way. And then so people not accepting me because of the way I look, but people not accepting me because of how I am in my culture uh, it, it was just a weird thing. I didn't fit anywhere. There was no spaces where I felt like I belonged. So that was a really tough road getting to that point. Um, and honestly, I think I just would have gone on forever being confused about it. But something amazing happened. I had children. And then I went, oh, my goodness, I need to sort out my staff my identity and work out who I am in in this universe or in this world, who I am in the community, where I actually fit in. Because this is a really horrible, horrible feeling to have, like you don't belong anywhere in society. And it is not something I wanted my children to ever have to experience. So I worked really, really hard to try and establish who am I? Where do I fit? What do I contribute? What is my purpose here? How can I give back? And it's only really been probably the last three years that I started really trying to understand it, but I've been resisting, resisting, resisting the whole way because everything constantly brought me back to creating um, social 
innovation or social progress or social change. It's, I've always gone back to that and gone back to um, human rights and having compassion for others and doing what we can to try to express or teach how society is working in ways that may be latent or that people don't actually see. Um, and only probably within the last maybe, I don't know, I, I wouldn't even say the last year is when I've finally gone, you know what, I'm going to do this. I keep getting drawn to this. Mm. I want to share my voice. I want to share these things that I know um, about society and the way things work and the, and the oppressive systems that are in place and bring a light to what that actually is. Um, so it's only really been maybe the last year that I've actually really stepped into who I am and I've got so much more to go. I just know mm. I have so, so, so much more to go as well. Um, but that has brought me into work like doing um, culturally inclusive language because what I, I, I fell in love with words and I fell in love with the power that words have. But in doing that, I also realised that words can be used as weapons mm -hmm. or words can be used in ways that unite people and bring people together. And what I, the more I began understanding words and how to use them, the more I could see in our everyday society and in our communities how words are being used to separate and segregate uh, marginalised people. And it's something that we're born with, kind of like we're born into. So we don't even see it until it's actually put in our face and gone, but this is what this actually means. And mm. this is linked to this. So, and then people start putting the associations together. It's, uh, it's, I don't want to say beautiful. Beautiful is not the right word. It's a, a, it is social conditioning. It's conditioning your mind to think in, in, in certain ways. It is certainly a beautiful thing if it's to create good and to create love and create togetherness and community spirit. But the way it's mostly used when you're talking about marginalised groups um, and particularly the Aboriginal community is it's used in a way to make um, you seem like it's other than. Yeah. So there is an Australian community and the otherness is Aboriginal community, mm. which is not the case. Aboriginal community belong in the community of yeah. Australia. Mm. So it's this separation saying that we are different. Um, but I want to use it to say first, we are the same. And then we can we choose identifiers to to start creating smaller communities. So we have this, and that's what I, I do is inclusive language is about first and foremost saying that we all belong together. Mm -hmm. We are all human and we all belong and are accepted in this big, beautiful community of humanness. Mm -hmm. And then we go, but we love being unique. We love being ourselves and we love um, expressing ourselves in different and artistic ways or ways that are to, linked with our cultures mm. and all this kind of stuff. So then we say, okay, we belong in this beautiful group, but now we also want to form smaller groups inside that. And that's when you go, okay, well, I identify as a Wadawa Noongar woman or I, I identify as Australian or I identify... Um, as uh, whatever gender you, you choose or whatever religion. And they're the different ways you can form different kinds of communities, mm. but it's not outside. And that's no. this really strange thinking. Mm. Um, so that's why I want to really bring awareness to the language because then if we are conscious of the language that we're using, we can start creating more inclusive spaces. And when we start creating more spaces for inclusion that's when people who aren't necessarily exactly don't identify exactly the same feel welcomed to come into those spaces and when they feel welcomed and then actually start populating those spaces and feeling like they're valued 
that's when you have diversity. Mm -hmm. So it's about creating the space for inclusion and creating the inclusive spaces that sparks diversity. And it's not the other way around of pulling people in and going, come in, we need some diversity here. Come in, come in, come in. But actually, you're not valued. You're here to tick off a box and we're not actually going to listen to what you say and we're not going to consider any kind of um, uh, cultural differences that you might need or any other needs you might have because of your diversity. We're just going to say, this is the space we've created in the exact way we want it. We want to bring you in because we want to create diversity, but we're not mm. going to change anything and we're not yeah. going to listen to you. Yeah, um, you have to change instead to fit in. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I've been doing that. So they're online courses. I have an online um, academy. So that's Ascension Personal Development Academy. And what I would love to do with that is create so many courses where people can go within and start understanding uh, inclusion and diversity and how to create different systems or support different systems that that don't oppress anymore, that are welcoming and inclusive. Um, so the, the idea is to have a platform where you can learn so many different things on that. You can do it. It can be your own inner work. There can be stuff for businesses. There can be stuff on so many different levels in there. Um, and I also work in uh, another group, which is in Perth at the moment. Next week, actually, they're having their major summit. Once a year, we have it. And that is uh, Aboriginal-led. Like, it's a visionary 10-year uh, project to basically teach society how to build relationships with the Aboriginal community and mm. how to actually work together in partnerships and build those partnerships and build those relationships because the way that Western culture consider and build relationships is a very different way mm. that Aboriginal people build relationships mm -hmm. So it's a very nurturing kind of process that's based on our six seasons that we have here um, on Noongar country. So Noongars have six seasons. We don't have four seasons. And those seasons guide us through all the different stages of everything. It guides us through the stages of the year. It guides us through the stages of our life. It guides us through the stages of building projects on so many different levels. And it can go, last year we did the first year, which was about fertility. And this year, we're moving into the next season, which is Jilba, which is about conception. So it's just a beautiful thing. Um, other than that, I, I, I write my blogs. So I, I like to write about human rights and really put forward how um, Australia, unfortunately, has lots of shortcomings in mm -hmm. terms of upholding human rights. Uh, of lots of different groups, but particularly um, Aboriginal people, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Um, and so I just bring a light to that because, you know, we all, most of us, if, we, if we're Australian, we believe that Australia is good and cares and cares about people and about people's rights and we uphold these things. Mm. But there's lots of things that just slip through the cracks that people just aren't aware of that's happening. So I just like to bring awareness to those things. Um, and I also like to put out uh, stories about my own experiences with my own identity and not feeling like I fit in and different mm -hmm. things like that. Because I just know there's so many people out there who are in the same situation as I am. And I felt so alone. I felt like mm -hmm. I was the only one in the whole world feeling yeah. this way. But then I... I got a bit of perspective and went, wow, there must be so many thousands of people who are in the same boat. So I just want to let them know they're not alone and share some of my thoughts and how I've been able to take something that was so uh, disempowering and felt really helpless and hopeless in and I've transformed it into something which is almost like a superpower now because it's my story and that yeah. story powerful and can change things yeah so I do a bit of that um and just sharing a bit about culture because there's so much misconception 
about what Aboriginal culture is mm. and um, what it involves and just so many things. There's so much misconception yeah. about what it is. It's just, it's seen as so negative and it's so not. It's so beautiful yeah. and caring and accepting and generous and all the lovely, beautiful things. Yeah. It's that too. And I want to share that. Wow. That's amazing, Louise. Really, truly amazing. <laughs> like just listening to you talk then, like the, the passion that you have for the work, but also like your culture and tradition just really comes through and um, it's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing. I just, I just did like a big, <laughs> wow, just, I just couldn't stop. No. And, and that's the problem. That's the, when I start talking, it's like, when do I stop this? Because I could just talk forever yeah. on this stuff. And it's just, it's a, a different way. I, I find that I talk about this in such a different way to so many other people who are talking about these same conversations. Mm. I don't want to make people feel bad about anything or feel guilty about anything. I want us to go, wow, isn't this amazing that we can be joined together? Yeah. That we can be part of something new. We can create something new. Yeah. One of, one of my elders here actually says it's, it's time for a new dreaming. Mm -hmm. So it's time for a new story. It's time for a new beginning and we can be part of that new beginning. And so I just, get really excited about yeah that, stuff. <laughs> that gave me goosebumps that's how amazing would that be like mm -hmm. a, just a fresh new beginning and a new story mm -hmm. yeah one that's just like you say um inclusive yet everyone can um follow their own traditions within that mm -hmm. inclusive group like how yeah. amazing would that be yeah absolutely and that's the thing that every single person has culture mm. Uh, even if they don't realise it. And often if you do belong in the dominant culture, uh, you don't really see culture as much. It's not, not so as apparent as if you are part of a marginalised group who has to identify every different part of their culture and go, well, this is my part of my culture, this isn't, this is, this isn't. Um, so if you're part of that dominant group, uh, you might be like, well, I don't have culture. What, what is that? But it's because it's just so normal, mm. you don't have to fight for it. You don't have to define it in any way. But the thing with it, because everyone has culture, that means you have beautiful connections to heritage. You have uh, beautiful connections to traditions and ceremony. And you have beautiful connections to um, having uh, spiritual togetherness with your communities and with your families and your kinship systems and all, all kinds of things like that. And there is beauty in every single culture, beautiful, beautiful things in every culture. So I want to encourage people to know their culture, to know their heritage and really celebrate that and share those things. And let's celebrate those together. Let's not say, well, that's different. So that's not okay. Let's say that's different and that's awesome. And mine is different and mine's awesome. So yes. let's all just be awesome together. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> let's all just be awesome together. Yes. <laughs> and I think the other thing is like, you know, if one group has a certain tradition that doesn't include another group or another group doesn't resonate with that, like it's not hurting anyone. Like that group, if they're going out and doing their thing, like, how is that hurting anyone? Like, it's just not, no. like, you know. No. no so, like, yeah. <laughs> like in, 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 um, in the Aboriginal culture, we have women's business and men's business. And that is because we understand that we each hold different roles. Mm -hmm. um, again, this, this, same, this same elder talks about this a beginning story, which is, the story of the carers of everything. And the story tells us that we are the carers of absolutely everything, but we can't do that by ourselves. We mm. each need to form a little part that we care about. And so the men's business take part, care of a certain part and the women's business take care of a certain part. And we have those different roles within those two. Um, but something that we've also started uh, talking about is more having more inclusion 
in our culture. So we're also talking about if you don't identify as a man and you don't Mm -hmm. identify as a woman, maybe we're going to start doing non-binary business too. Wow. So we are really like on, we are breaking new ground. We are talking about things that haven't been talked about before. And we are thinking of how as a community, we can progress to make sure that people aren't divided or separate from us or left behind. And that is part of that new, new story, that Mm. new beginning. And I guess it's almost an invitation for other people to go, well, I want to be part of that new beginning um, in my community. So let's talk about, so we talk about reconciliation. How, how do we work together with the Aboriginal community and broader, how do we work with any marginalised group of people to make it more inclusive? Mm. Because people don't lose out when there's inclusion. People, everyone gains when you have inclusion because when you have inclusion, there are new skills that are added, new concepts and new ideas. And we... We're so problem-based. Like we want to solve so many social issues and problems. And everyone's like, you know, we want, to, we want to do this. How can we do this? How can we fix this? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could? My deepest belief is the people who are closest to the problem are the closest to the solutions. Mm. So it's the people who are oppressed and who are marginalised who are closest to the answers to solving those problems. Yeah. Yet we have this society where we think, um, you know, if, you, if you're educated in a certain way or you have a certain amount of money or if you are, um, depending on what gender you are or, or, or your sexuality, depending on that, defines whether you get a say in it or not yeah it's like that uh the say like a savior complex it's like yeah. you know i can come in and save you whereas actually mm-hmm. you don't really need saving <laughs> you just no. need the opportunity to absolutely find the yourself or like support to find the answer absolutely and the thing is when um you start understanding that we're actually the same so mm-hmm if you're sitting there going, oh, I want to help these people, um, I can do this, I can do that, you feel the power within you to try because you want to do something. That is exactly for the same for those marginalised people. Just they don't have, there's this balance of um, power that is just totally out of whack. Mm-hmm. They don't have the platforms available to them. They don't have the systems that support them being heard. They don't have the invitations to sit at the table. Um, And if they are, quite often they're not valued, the opinions are not valued and they're not listened to. Mm -hmm. They are there just to be there. Yeah. Um, So it's, it, it can help our community progress so much more because when we start solving these problems, um, you will find that there is so much more connection and mm. sameness between us and yeah. we're actually so similar and so many beautiful relationships can form. Mm. And you can really start to uh, love and cherish your own culture mm-hmm. and love and cherish other cultures and appreciate those things and really start to see how can they work together in a harmony so that everyone can benefit from them because there is just so much. And the, the culture that we have now is a very masculine culture. Yes. It's a very straight line type of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the Aboriginal culture is a very feminine kind of culture. So in reality, these two would balance each other very, yeah. very beautifully and mm. create such an amazing thing for all people in Australia. And, you know, I kind of see myself as a little bit of a bridge because I do belong in both worlds. Mm-hmm. And I, I am that bridge because I know that both cultures can work beautifully together yeah. because they work beautifully together within me. They're yeah. in harmony within beautiful. me. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. So because I know that, I know it can happen. Yeah. But I just, not just me, 
but people who also know these things need the opportunity to share yeah. how it can happen. And it's not even that um, they, people need to do it then. It's still a choice. It's always a personal choice, whether you want it to happen or not have it happen. But you are, I don't like the word empower, you are powering yourself to take in the knowledge and then make those really, um, really informed judgments or decisions within yourself that actually align with your values and your own philosophies. Because so many things in our society are just happening, but when you actually single them out and look at them, they don't align with your values. Mm, mm -hmm. It's just accepted and they sit underneath the surface out of awareness. So if you're realizing that so many things that you believe about yourself and who you are aren't in alignment in our community, we should start to change those. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. And so um, I, you're also on a, a committee member for, is it Dandrew Kool, uh, Kooleni? Did I say that Dandrew right? Kooleni. Kooleni. Okay. Yes. And yes. that means walking together. Is that right? There are lots of different versions of it, but the version um, with lots of talking with different groups and the, and the language, it, it, that's kind of the best thing that we've come up with. Yeah. Because the thing is, language doesn't directly translate mm, mm -hmm. and something that I find a lot of um, English only speaking people find interesting or quite shocking is that there are often no English translations for, yeah. for things. Mm -hmm. And um, so that you'd have Aboriginal words and you go, well, there actually isn't an English translation for it because the concept doesn't exist in the English language or in the English um, speaking culture mm -hmm. so all I try and do all we can try and do is go it kind of feels like this yeah or it might be a little bit of this plus a little bit of this and mix them together and that's what you get um, because we think that English is so comprehensive there's so many words there's no way you can't possibly explain everything and that's just not the case at mm -hmm. all there are just different things that exist in other cultures that don't exist in the Western culture at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, and so that that this committee, it's a um, Aboriginal-led 10-year visionary reconciliation conciliation plan, mm -hmm. um, and that's hosted by UWA. Yes. And their social impact unit. Tell me more about this. This sounds amazing. Yes. Yeah, so that's that that one that I was talking about where we're working on the different seasons. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's that one. It is absolutely amazing. And we have elders and community leaders that are leading that and they are being supported by the social impact unit at UWA here. And it is something that has never, ever been done in Australia. And it is already gaining global attention for it's the way it's structured. It's just done in a totally different way. It's done in a way that allows more Aboriginal culture and the way that Aboriginal people do things. Um, it does take getting used to, even myself, it's taken a bit of getting used to because you're, you're brought up in, in a school system, which is very kind of industrialized and then you go into work systems, which are really industrialized, um, which have like set times to do things. Mm -hmm. And you have this set role to do something. And um, you, your line management is only this. And you're allowed to go for lunch or breaks at this time, this time, and this time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's really so, so structured. Whereas the way we do it is so much more fluid. It's not about doing things at certain times because time doesn't necessarily exist. The only time is right now. Mm -hmm. But when you have that connection to um, the nature and the land, you start to see the signs. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of different codes. Another elder of mine talks about that there's different codes and there's codes in nature. And nature and the universe and all that 
tell you when it's the right time to do things. Yeah. And even though you might have an answer or you might be keen to do something, you know, and you can feel through those different vibrations, it's not the right time just yet. So we work on that kind of thing, but we also work on a space where everyone's invited. You don't have to put in your resume or share your skills or anything like that to be involved. It's, if you have an interest, we want you to be there. We will support you and we will teach you the skills that you need wow. to thrive. So you don't have to come and, and prove yourself. You don't have to say, well, I did this, this, this and this. And um, so now I want to do this particular role. Mm. It's more like who is interested in doing this kind of thing? And then people put their hand up. Okay, let's see how we can support you in doing mm. that either you can do it and then you can roll with that and that's amazing otherwise let's see how we can support you in growing those skills how can amazing. we do that and and even the meetings and it's not it's not like a sit down with an agenda um and have the minutes taken and all that kind of stuff the meetings are open with check-ins mm. how are we feeling today what's going on with you okay let's see how we can support you um Let's see how we can change things. Uh, we have certain people who are doing certain roles, but everyone certainly can have input because we know that we create this. Um, I'm looking for another word other than mastermind, but essentially a mastermind. Yeah. When we collectively work together to sort things out and solve things because we know that together it's just so much better. We, yeah. we come up with new things we possibly couldn't think of on our own. Yeah. And so it's just a beautiful, beautiful, lovely space and a beautiful way to do things. It sounds amazing. Like show up and be seen. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is pretty much it. Wow. And, and so it's who you are and it's, and it's about the connection as well. So um, like I said, it's not, not about what skills you have, what education you've done, what, what role you're in, how much you've been paid. It's nothing to do with that. It's about who you are and what your heritage is, who you're connected to. So I will go in and go, you know, I'm a, my name's Louise. I'm a Wadawan Noongar woman. So then they'll automatically go, okay, I know she's linked to that land and that land. And I can also say, um, and I was born on um, Wongatha country. So I go, okay, she's connected to that land too. And who's your family lines? And so then I can say, mm. I'm, I'm this family and that family. I go, oh, yep, I know those lines of family. So then what we do is then we understand how we are connected to each other. Mm. It's not about what you know. It's how are we connected to yeah. each other? And then when we know when we're connected to each other, we know where we fit with each other and how we can support um, and a lot of the time you find that you're very closely related. Yeah. Or, you know, it's, it's only one, one degree of separation or, you know, it's something <laughs> so small. Yeah. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing because when you know exactly where you fit with another person, mm. that's when you know you're accepted and you belong. Yeah. yeah. Because it can't change. Mm. It can't change on your job title or where you live or anything like that because it just exists. Wow. That's so powerful. It That's is. So, it's imagine, so beautiful. Like imagine if the whole country or the whole world connected like that. Imagine how different things would be. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess that's probably part of what you guys are trying to <laughs> bring in, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> what your group's trying to bring in. It would be amazing. And how, and it also shows how, uh, how the connection between us impacts everything. Mm. So if something were to happen to you, I know it will impact me because we're connected and I know it will impact everyone else in our community because I know how we're connected. Mm. So I can't just, if, if something terrible is happening to you, I can't be like, oh, no, well, I, I don't want to see that. I don't want to look at that because I know within myself 
that it affects everything. When people are not treated right, when, when people are left out, um, it affects everything mm. and has impact in everything. Nothing is not connected. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, like you were saying before, you know, we're all part of the human race. Mm-hmm. You know, we are all the same, but we're all different at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, if only everyone could say that. Yeah. And, and that sameness doesn't give permission to take part in or mm, benefit mm-hmm. from other yeah. communities either. So yes. something I've seen um, quite a fair bit of, and particularly in the spiritual community, is this idea of oneness, that mm-hmm. we're all the same or we're all connected. So in that, doesn't that mean that I belong to all cultures and all cultures belong to me too, um, which I would say no. No, I, would, I don't <laughs> no. agree with that either, yeah. No, it, it's not. It means that we are one mm. and we are choosing how to express ourselves through our own cultures. But those cultures are created through our, our own heritage lines. Yes. In this time, in, 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 this, in this plane of existence. So there are even, um, there are people who believe in things like uh, past life uh, experiences and or, or concurrent life experiences that they have. And in those lives, they are, belong to a different culture. So that's part of them. Um, and, and certainly on, on the, you know, big universal plane that, that may be true, but in our own expression right now is who we are, that's not the case. Mm. And we need to honour who we are in, in, this, in this space, in this, this, um, in this body mm. and honour that culture because oneness is also about not causing harm to other people. Yes. Because if you cause harm to others, you are also causing harm to yourself. Mm. And when you appropriate culture and use things um, in ways to benefit yourself or profit, you're harming those other people. Mm. But the thing is, there's that imp- in, usually there's a, that imbalance of power that they, can't, they have no systems and they have nothing they can do to stop you from doing it. Um, for instance, just this week, I saw there was a, a group of women who are doing a worldwide didgeridoo concert. And so for most, most of the Aboriginal uh, language groups and countries, a didgeridoo is a male ceremonial spiritual instrument and the women are not even allowed to touch them. Mm-hmm. And these are, it's not like... Um, it's not a thing of controlling women because men are also not allowed to do things mm-hmm. that women do. So there is a, there is a, uh, a good respect about what men can do and what, what women, women mm-hmm. can do. Um, but it's also a spiritual thing that if you do things and use it, spiritually bad things can happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. So you just wouldn't do it because you know that bad things can happen to you as a result of doing it. And they're doing this tour and there are no Aboriginal people involved in it uh, at all. So there are people from different countries who are doing it and holding this concert. And they are saying that certain groups of Aboriginal people have given permission for them to do it, which is mm. not possible. You can't, you can't get permission for all of Australian <laughs> groups to do it. And um, they are saying that they're, they're introducing Aboriginal culture to the world. Right. Which is a really interesting thing because Aboriginal people don't need other people to introduce the culture to the no, world. No, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's up to the people of that culture to share whatever it is they feel they want to share. Yeah. And it's not like a... It's not like a, you just have, can get all the information. You can have everything shared with you. It's a personal choice. It's just like 
um, with who you are. You don't go to someone and just share everything about yourself. You share things that you want to share mm. um, depending on the relationship or how comfortable you are with that person. Um, and also a person wouldn't go and share um, personal or intimate stuff about another person to another person. Yes, exactly. That's, that's not okay. Yeah. And, but we don't have the power. We don't have the systems in place to stop this kind of thing happening. And mm. it happens over and over and over again. Yeah. Even we've had the Aboriginal flag has been uh, copy, uh, copyrighted, trademarked. Yeah. So we can't even, we can't use the Aboriginal, Aboriginal flag on a lot of our clothing and other things. Otherwise, we could be sued. Yeah. I think, and, and there was oh, something the other day, um, a non-Aboriginal woman tried to trademark the word titter, I think. Yeah. Like, I just, yeah. I mean, it's so, con- like, it's so confusing to me mm-hmm. why people think that they can do this kind of thing. Like, I just... Yeah. And it's, it's mm. so strange because even I've had a look at the application for that, that titter. So for anyone out there listening, titter is a word that means uh, sister. And so, you know, you're my sister, you're my titter. Um, and in the application, it says uh, this means sister in this Aboriginal language. But... Can we trademark sister in English? No, probably not. Well, how could you? <laughs> you can't. So how, yeah. can, how can it be possible to do that yes. with another, another language? Mm. But then how do you stop these things? Mm. It's so, and that's, um, you know, there's lots of pressure for Aboriginal people to be involved in projects on reconciliation and, and showing people how to do things and sharing culture and leading the way in lots of different things and all that kind of stuff. But we're also dealing with this kind of stuff. Yeah. And working as a community, how can we combat this stuff and make sure it doesn't happen? Yeah. And it's just constantly, constantly doing. We're always on working on projects, which we, we don't get paid for. Mm. This is all voluntary community-led stuff that the community just does. And so, so much time and effort is put in stopping people appropriating culture mm. in some way or doing things to profit from culture that doesn't belong to them there's not much energy for going, okay, well, let's start looking at how we can progress, how we can actually yeah. look forward to the future when we're still dealing with what's happening right now mm-hmm. and what's happening, what's happened in the past. Oh, yeah. Um, there's still all that generational trauma that mm-hmm. the Aboriginal people are dealing with as well, which... Yep. Yeah. Which is a lot. And, I mean, even, even myself... I kind of didn't understand intergenerational trauma. I thought, you know, in my mind, I thought I understood what it was, but it it really came to a head when I had my um, first child and I was in hospital and I was just like, get me out of here, get me out of here. I have my baby, get me out of here, get me out of here. And I couldn't wait to get home. And a lot of people saying, just relax, take time in hospital. They'll bring all your meals. They look after everything. Just chill and, and relax for a bit. Rest up. You need to, you know, recover. Um, but I just wanted to get home. And then I thought that was a little bit strange. And then, the, then I had my second child and I did the exact same thing, but it was, it was even worse the second time. And I was doing everything I could to get the doctor to approve me to leave mm. <laughs> with my baby. And then it dawned on me that I was actually terrified that they were going to take my child from me. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, my, my grandmother was in hospital and had her child taken from her. Just went to the bathroom, come back, baby's gone, no paperwork, no nothing. Oh, my goodness. I was afraid to go to sleep. I was yeah. afraid to take my eye off my child. And it's so strange because I understand that I look completely white. I, 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 I'm, I have 
Caucasian appearance, but I had this deep fear that my baby was going to be stolen Mm. when I wasn't looking and I would never be able to find them again. Mm. I can't even imagine that fear, Louise. It's, it's full on. And that is literally the worst thing that could happen to people Mm. is having their babies taken. And this is so recent. These are people, this has happened in this generation. Mm. So you're having and, you know, uh, we've used stolen, stolen generations so much that it's almost like we're becoming uh, immune to mm. the meaning behind it. So essentially they are kidnapped. Yeah. They are kidnapped children. And it doesn't seem to mean much. And then we're trying to repair from these children that have been taken away um, often very forcibly taken away. Mm. Uh, that's a lot to deal with. And you have like whole communities of people who've had all of their children taken. And then, so that's this generation too, because, mm. you know, colonization has, hasn't even been 200 years here yet. So that's not very many generations that fit into that small amount of time. Um, so you have that healing that needs to take place too. And so we're at homes and there, and because there's been that trauma, which I consider that's probably the hardest thing to go through. Um, you're dealing with those kind of things. And because you have that deep trauma, you have all these symptoms that come up. Mm. So that's, those symptoms are things like, depression and anxiety and mental health um, challenges. And those are things like um, substance abuse. And those things Mm. are things like, you know, all the terrible things that are direct, that people directly associate with Aboriginal people, Mm. generally speaking, that is generally, um, these are symptoms of a massive trauma that has happened to a whole community over multiple generations Mm. and it's still happening yeah let's be real it's still happening absolutely i'm yeah as real as as real and as recent as um even like a year ago i heard one um and i know it's happening it's just not being heard Mm. um but one that i did hear of was a few children were taken and were not in no family member was informed at all. They were moved to separate towns. They weren't informed at all. But you know what? They end up getting those children back because fortunately those children were linked to people who have quite a lot of influence. So those people use their their influence they're quite popular people have lots of followers and things like that. They use their platforms to get those children back. Mm. and how how is that okay to have to go to the public and use your platform to make some kind of noise to get children back it's not okay like it's it shouldn't it shouldn't have ever happened in the first place um and it's it's really not okay and like I there's no like in being a mother, I can understand the fear of losing your child or anything happening to your child, but I will never understand the trauma that Aboriginal people have been through and fear, the fear that your children will be taken away at any mm-hmm. moment. And having to tell your children that, you know, if you, if you see the police or anyone who has any kind of extended power um, to keep your head down. Pretend mm. you're invisible, get away. Mm-hmm. Because you just never know what can happen. Yeah. What will happen. Because there aren't consequences to bad things happening a lot of the time. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's been so many deaths in custody that have happened to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and not one conviction. Yeah. That's hundreds of people hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that have died when they're meant to be um, 
still kept safe. Even, even yeah. if people were doing things wrong, they should still yeah. be kept safe. But how many were actually doing anything wrong? Like yeah, how many well, were we actually know. doing anything wrong? Like yeah, that's well, a question we probably can't answer. No, absolutely. Yeah. And look, and I, I am a bazillion percent for protecting children. Mm. If children are in any way in harm's way, they're not safe, mm-hmm. we need to do whatever we can to protect them. Yep. But also we need to consider how we're protecting them. And exactly. is that the best interest of the children? And I would say that probably not. No. And it's not only um, protecting the children. Absolutely, I agree. That's 100% important. But also supporting the parents mm-hmm. and giving them the support that they need in order to be able to care for their children and provide, be safe, all be safe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's interesting because then providing for their children under whose whose standards or who writes those standards? Well, exactly. Yeah. Because something that is considered loving and caring and nurturing for one culture may not be considered the same for another culture. Yes. Yeah. So one, for instance, there might be a culture that goes, I, our culture really supports children learning their independence, Mm. learning how to handle themselves and learning how to deal with situations that come up and being able to manage that themselves. So as young children, we support them in going out and getting themselves to school, even at a very young age, they need to work out how the world works to get them to where they need to go. But another culture might say, oh, my gosh, that's being neglectful parents. You don't Mm -hmm. even take your children to school. Mm -hmm. What if something happens to them? Um, That's terrible. You shouldn't be doing that. We need to be, you know, preparing our children, taking them to school, being there and taking them home. It's a very different culture around the way we bring up our children. But there is no flexibility in the systems that we have here yeah. of what, what the culture considers to be good parenting compared to what the other culture considers to be good parenting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of things to consider. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though. You know, where someone, someone somewhere came up with an idea about how a family should look and how care should look and how love should look. And it's yeah. just not true. Like no. it looks so different for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's, it brings up, um, so kinships is coming up in my mind now that uh, lots of the community don't understand the way our kinship systems work. And so we've got our, our, our mum and dad and then we have our siblings. Mm-hmm. And then all of our cousins, which will be considered as cousins, are all our brothers and sisters. And all of the um, mums or the aunties and uncles are either like our mums or they are auntie and uncle. All of their parents are all our nans and pops. So we mm. have we ha- our, our kinship system is so wide. Yes. And then so what you consider your cousins are our brothers, their children are our nieces and nephews, and their children are most likely um, considered our grandchildren. So it's just so wide. Mm. And so when we have lots of children being taken care of by the grandparents or by aunties and uncles and things like that, it's like, well, these children are always taken care of by these other people. Yeah you mustn't be a good parent because you're not the one doing it all. Mm. Uh, But we have a larger village of people that care for these children, a much larger thing. And quite often it's the grandparents that do lots with the grandchildren because the grandparents have all the knowledge. Mm -hmm. They've experienced everything. Mm -hmm. They've learnt the life lessons. So then they teach the babies the life lessons. And it's 
And it's the mums and the aunties that go out and make sure the family is cared for. So they do all the providing stuff. They go, well, I'm going to go earn the money and I'm going to make sure you've got food and a house um, to live in and all that kind of stuff. And it's, everyone has a place. Yeah. And it's, like you say, it's a village. Mm -hmm. Everyone Everyone has has a role. role. Beautiful. Which is how it should be, really. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. And the truth is we do have a role. All of us do have a role, but those roles are not acknowledged. Mm, mm -hmm. And the, the, the Westernized system that I see is that you have this one group of people who are like the, the middle, middle aged, young, young to middle aged group of people who seem to be occupying every single space. And they're seen as the most important people the people with most influence, all that kind of stuff. And you have these children who are kind of left behind and not nurtured to, to grow um, or to step into that new space. They're unprepared to step into that new space because they're excluded from so many things. Mm. And then you have the older generation who are really struggling because they're no longer seen as being of value or importance in our community. They're kind of forgotten it's like well you've done your middle part where you were important and now you're being forgotten so you have these two ends of this age spectrum which they're, they're, they're not even included or thought of and they and they have a role but they're not not being valued mm. so it's a, it's a really sad thing because then you are having children who are ill-equipped to step into the space of creating change and supporting the community, which then step into a space of feeling like they're forgotten. And then that brings up lots of um, illnesses that brings up lots of mental health challenges and things like that. And it's a really unhealthy system because there is no system. It doesn't work in a circle. Mm -hmm. Mm. It goes from bottom to top to bottom. Yeah. And it needs to go around and around and it's not sustainable because Mm. people are just going to become more and more unhealthy. Their spirit is going to become more and more unhealthy. And those things are going to be um, transferred onto every next generation. Yeah. Until we break that and go, this way we're doing things isn't working. All these people need to be included. And And I don't know if you've known, if you've gone to lots of um, Aboriginal-led events, um, you'll find that children and elders are always present. Mm. They are always with us because they need to learn, the children need to learn how to function and work in society and how things work. And the elders are there to guide us when we need the guidance. When we don't know what we're doing, they are the ones that hold us and that go, Maybe this isn't the way you should be thinking of this. Maybe mm. go down this line or have you considered this? Because they have all, they, oh, they're the knowledge holders. Yeah. They hold it all. And you have, we're not going to sit here and go, well, I, I know more than you because, you know, this and that. It's like, no, mm. you've got the experience. You can see it from a much better angle than I can. And they're always really respected. There's always special spaces for elders to be. And those spaces always have things like chairs where they can, that we always have um, people caring for them, giving yeah. them their chairs, bringing them things, bringing them cups of teas and coffees when they need it or biscuits or whatever to make them feel comfortable and welcome. And the children just love running around, having a great time. <laughs> and, and, you know, they're not excluded from doing things. So if we have dances that are happening, children always can just get up and move Mm -hmm. they can always just get up and make a noise it's always about them just being there Mm -hmm. and it's okay that's beautiful it really is really really (laughs) is it's beautiful louise thank you so much i mean i feel like um we could just keep chatting and go on forever. <laughs> You've got so much knowledge and, um, and it's just, it's so beautiful to, um, to hear you talk about it and to learn from you as well. So thank you so much for sharing oh, you. your truth thank today. You. you know what? Um, 
I wrote about you in my gratitude journal today and I was so grateful to be um, invited to speak on this and just for the opportunity to share because that's that's all I'm 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 wanting is an opportunity mm. to share and to share the culture and and its beauty and to share how we can all work together to be one and belong because we all belong and exactly what I am is perfect and exactly what you are is perfect and exactly what your listeners are is perfect. And I want them to know that and to not feel like they need to hide or conform to anything other. 100%. I 100% agree with that (laughs) message. And look, I think that's a beautiful, a beautiful place to end. So that wraps up this episode. Don't forget to follow both me and Louise on the socials. They'll be linked in the show notes. Also, I just want to remind everyone that the self-love revolution membership is coming and the waitlist is open now. So you can get yourself on it via the link in the show notes. And don't forget that loving yourself is a rebellious act. So be a rebel. See you next time.